Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Week in APA. I am your host, John Aslan. Glad you could join me for this episode number 98. We are getting oh so close to that 100th episode. The century mark uh, is in the uh, a very near future, and uh, we'll let you know what that 100th podcast is going to be. I'll do that in the closing segment of this podcast. But for now, uh, let's move on into episode number 98. I'm going to be talking to Ted Knorr, who uh, has been on the program before. He's an old friend and a longtime Apple player. Uh, Ted is involved in uh, Sabre, uh, the uh, Society of American Baseball Research. Uh, they're celebrating their 50th anniversary, and they're doing a consortium uh, this whole week, actually the week of uh, August 7th, and uh, uh, they're also celebrating 100 years of baseball, and Ted has uh, done a very interesting simulation, and I'll let uh, Ted talk to you about that, and so uh, without further ado, we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to have Ted Knorr uh, talking about his APA project, which he will present to Saber. Uh, this week. So stick around. You're listening to This Week in APA. And welcome back, everybody, to This Week in APA. I'm your host, John Azalon. And for this 98th episode of the podcast, I'm going to bring back a guy that we had back in 2018. And what we're going to talk about is Sabres, 50th anniversary. Now, I know a lot of you have heard the term SABRE and what that stands for. The acronym is for Society for American Baseball Research. It's it's something that uh, I really uh, like to go to. Uh, it's part of my uh, baseball research uh, uh, files and information that I'm using for my 1964 replay. I think it's a great organization. And SABRE is uh, celebrating its 50th anniversary. And on August 14th, which is actually tomorrow, as I am doing this podcast, but this podcast probably won't come out until afterwards, uh, they're having a, a celebration. And a part of that celebration is a three-day consortium, uh, which will include my guest. Uh, my guest is Ted Moore. As I said, we had him here in 2018. In that podcast, he went to Forbes Field in Pittsburgh and replayed uh, the seventh game of the 1960 World Series between the Yankees and the Pirates. That was a fun thing to do. He and his buddy Fred Walker did it. And uh, now we're bringing him back now because Ted is an integral part in this three-day consortium uh, for Sabre. Uh, that will be going on uh, this week and through the weekend. So, Ted, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, how you doing? I'm doing fine, and it's so great to be here talking baseball and talking APA. <laughs> well, it's always good talking APA, and you are a lifelong uh, APA player. I mean, I won't go back over what we talked about because we did that back in 2018, but uh, you are a, uh, a longtime APA guy, and, uh, and what you've really been involved in the, over the past several years is – uh, an interest in Negro League Baseball, and, and it's something that, that you are, have really uh, uh, taken too seriously. Uh, you have contributed uh, to a lot of things that are um, uh, accompanied with Negro League Baseball, and that's kind of what your purpose is in this consortium 
with Sabre. Uh, talk a little bit about how you got involved with this and how it started and, and just start from the beginning and, and tell us how you got here. Okay. Well, just about a year ago, in fact, it was last September, uh, some people from within Sabre, which I've been a member for 40 years, but some people uh, suggested that I might be of some assistance on a project that they had. Uh, and the project celebrates baseball 100 years ago. Uh, so what could I add or I, my, an idea or suggestion to celebrate 1921? And what what we came up with, me and a couple others, was a, um, a World Series after the World Series. What if, in 1921, after the New York Giants, led by John McGraw, mm -hmm. uh, defeated the Yankees, what if they took on the Negro League champion, the 1921 Chicago American Giants, led by Rube Foster? And in my opinion, there's no better instrument than to carry out such a simulation than the APA Major League Baseball game. Right. And and like I said, you've been playing it for years. Some of the guys who were involved in this play different games. They play Diamond Mind. Uh, there might have been a Strat player here and there. Um, uh, talk about how it got down to where you played this uh, imaginative series between the New York Giants and the Chicago American Giants. Okay. Well, you're right. Uh, there are a lot more sophisticated games out there, particularly on the computer. And you named one, Diamond Mind, which I have some experience with and I'm happy with. The, the one that it was headed for was a thing called Over, no, Out of the Park Baseball. Right. And uh, the little bit that I did research, uh, it seemed to me they were way underestimating the Negro League. Uh, that's just my opinion. I've mm -hmm. never played the game. Uh, and uh, eventually, my two partners in crime, uh, you know, they, they're uh, younger and have more things in life. And uh, in fact, one of them is working very much with Major League Baseball as they try to figure out what statistics to count in the Negro League. So they have legitimate reasons why they sort of backed away uh, due to their workload, their family and personal and job workload sure. and that left me uh with only one game because you know i'm, I'm <laughs> a old time dice and whatnot guy right. so that's how appa came to be the final solution here yeah and and we're all happy that it was and uh and this it's part of the <clears throat> saber game and simulations research committee and that that committee started back in 2010 uh, but was kind of stagnant over the years, but then they kind of uh, came back uh, and started this um, just recently. Is that true? That's exactly true, and uh, uh, it is my hope because that, that committee, I mean, APA, I think, should have a higher profile in the point of view of that committee, and I'm hoping this little exercise, and in conjunction with some other action, uh, might might you know put up you know closer to where it belongs in in right. such a group right um and 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 so you decided uh to play a a simulated world series between the world champion new york giants and the uh a negro league champion 
Chicago American Giants. Uh, it, tell us how you set that up, how you got it, how you decided on how many games to play. And and it wasn't the first time you played these two teams, not by a long shot. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't. Uh, I, I do, uh, in terms of setting up the series, I, I, I mimicked exactly how the World Series was. Mm -hmm. And that year, it was the best of nine. And right. the, the New York Giants win five games to eight over the Yankees. Uh, I think they won four of the last five games, so they're kind of a hot team as they come into this series. Mm -hmm. The Chicago American Giants win the pennant over two teams that were probably uh, equal, if not better, uh, St. Louis Giants with the great Oscar Charleston, and of course the Kansas City Monarchs, which are top, top play teams every year. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I used the same lineups that the the Giants used in the World Series, including rotation, which was a three-man rotation. So uh, I used the same for the American Giants, but I picked their three most used pitchers. Uh, and I went in the order in the case of the Chicago American Giants, you know, their best, and then their second best, and then their third best. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the New York Giants, their 20-game winner actually went second. So that set up some interesting matchups, as we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I'm getting much else other than roll the dice. Uh, although, as you imply, I did also play 1,620 <laughs> games on the app for BBW just to see what what they would think. You know. that's, a whole, that's a whole season of replay. 1,620 games. I know because that's what I'm playing in my replay. So you you did a lot of work, and, and you knew these teams uh, backward and forward and inside out by the time you got to this uh, to this World Series uh, simulation. Yeah. You even went as far as to making odds on who would win the World Series. <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. Well, the, the odds uh, I, I, I made uh, is just the way I felt things stacked up, and I don't mind sharing so, you know, the, 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 uh, first of all, the 1,620 games that I played, that, that, that takes, what, a half hour or less on, on the computer. Yeah. But, uh, I, I did, I probably played eight or nine of them. <laughs> so I played a lot more than what I'm willing to talk about. But, uh, they made it clear that the New York Giants, the New York Giants won, I think, about 55% of the time mm -hmm. in games, individual mm -hmm. games. And that means that in a nine-game series, they should probably win 64% of the time. Mm -hmm. So th that that number is what led me to six and a half to five odds that I gave them. I think that was the same as the 1960 Yankees were over the 60 Pirates. Uh -huh. So th that, that's a, you know, that, that, that's a, a, a good favorite margin and, and what I did as you probably remember no you didn't but these were Atlantic City setting the odds because Vegas didn't exist in 21 <laughs> and Atlantic City didn't exist either legally but they right. ran, ran a lot of books out of there but um, the uh, the other thing I did is just if you look at the lineups there, yeah. there's four Hall of Famers in the New York Giant lineups although mm -hmm. A lot of that's due to Frankie Frisch mm -hmm. and his activities on the Veterans Committee. But there's only one on on, uh, on the Chicago American Giants. I think there probably should be a couple others, and hopefully we'll get to that in this conversation. Yeah. But uh, 
So the odds were set based on what I felt uh, the situation warranted. I, I got gotcha. you. Now, uh, before we get into the actual games and the series and, and how it played out, um, what differences did you see in either the card? Now you played. Now you played this on in card and dice, right? This this series. Yes. Okay. So with the cards that you that you had, did you see any um, distinction between the New York Giants and the American Giants? as far as statistical uh, replication uh, would be due to the fact that there was the major league and the Negro leagues? I mean, could you, could you tell there was any difference? Well, yes. Uh, you know, the, the major leagues, are, we know, you know, we, we know that from, you know, from our youth. Uh, and uh, the New York Giants are a four consecutive pennant winning team. Mm. Uh, uh, that's very rare. So, so th they are, I think they're underrated in terms of, of how people look at them. But uh, differences between them and the American Giants, I, I think one glaring difference, and this has nothing to do with the, the leaks as much as the areas in which they play. The New York Giants, they're not the Yankees, but they are more power-laden, more home-run-centric than the uh, American Giants, which are still in the dead ball era. Rube Foster was a, uh, you know, go one base at a time, yeah. pull off a double steal, heck, maybe even try two bases on a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're the more scientific team compared to the more power team. Mm -hmm. So that, that was one difference that, that showed to me. Uh, the, the other thing is, in App is Marvelous 1994 uh, 20-greatest team set, which is where I got the 21 American Giants from, yeah. uh, the American Giants are not one of the top teams. I ranked them 18th. Uh, I don't know where anyone else ranked them, but I can't see anybody putting them in the top 10. So you have a lesser Negro, and it's also the second year of the Negro Leagues. Mm, you're right. So this is probably a, a not the best representative from the Negro Leagues against a four-time pennant winner in a row uh, on the other side of the line. Uh, so that also entered into the... Uh, who I thought should be favored. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you said, there were four Hall of Famers on the New York Giants side, besides uh, Frankie Fish, Beauty Bancroft. I love some of these names back in the day. <laughs> uh, Ross Youngs and George Kelly. The only Chicago American Giant was uh, Cristobal Torriente, um, their center fielder. And, and so you had some great players. I mean, no question about it, going into the series. So let's talk about the series uh, let's uh, talk about where they were played, where you had them play, and uh, just how in-depth you got with the setup for the games. Okay. And let's talk about where they're playing first yeah. because that's important. And uh, I don't think I'm even going to talk much about that, if at all, tomorrow at the Sabre mm -hmm. uh, virtual conference. Uh, it, it's two in New York, three in Chicago, two in New York, or is that what I mean? Seven. Yeah. And then... The last two ostensibly are in Chicago. However, Judge Landis, being a judge, <laughs> he, he didn't want any favoritism. So the ninth game would actually be played 
at whoever, whichever team scored the most runs in the first eight games. Oh, really? so, yeah. if, if they were even in runs, they'd stay in Chicago, mm-hmm. or if Chicago had the edge, they'd stay in Chicago. But if New York had the edge, they'd move back to New York, which, as we'll see as we go through this, would mm-hmm. provide an extra day of rest for the Chicago A's pitcher. Uh, it, it's kind of a poison pill there. Do you want to play at home, or do you want to face <laughs> Dave Brown? Right. Um, yeah, so, okay, so you start out at the Polo Grounds in New York, game one, Phil Douglas for the uh, New York Giants, who was 15-10 and 10 that year with a 4.22 ERA, going up against Dave Brown, 18-2 and two for the American Giants, 2.46. So you look at the starting pitching, and you say, well, Chicago's got the edge here. Yes, and I, I think anybody would say that, even without the stats. Uh, Dave Brown was one of the premier left-handed pitchers. His story ends tragically, but uh, in his first couple of years, I think he's only 26 here, mm-hmm. uh, he certainly was one of the best pitchers, the best pitcher in this series, no doubt about it. So how did the series start out between these two clubs? Well, Chicago jumped out to an early lead and held it until the eighth inning. They were five to two. But here's where McGraw tips his hand a bit as to his confidence. He puts a pitcher named Jesse Barnes in to pitch the eighth to keep it just to keep it close, the yeah. top of the eighth. And that signaled to me that McGraw hadn't given up on the game because Barnes was two and oh in the World Series, having beaten the Yankees in the same fashion, coming in, trailing, and then uh altering wins. Wow. So the bottom of the eighth, Dave Brown, I think he had pitched a four-hitter up to here. He threw six straight hits. The, the Giants' first six batters all reached base. And uh, when that inning, when the dust settled, it was 6-5 New York heading into the ninth. And, of course, Barnes was up to the task as he had been against the Yankees. So New York drew first blood at home. Yeah, so with the uh, comfort behind 6-5 wins, so you got the Giants winning game one. Let's move on to game two of the series that uh, uh, was played the following day, again at the Polo Grounds. And this time it was Art Neff for the New York Giants, 20-10 and 10 on the year, 3.62 ERA, going up against Tom Williams of the American Giants, 14-8, and 2.87. But I think you said that, were you saying that Tom Williams was their number one during the year? Well, him and Brown started the same number of games uh, Williams was a pretty fine pitcher this year and other years. He's, he, he doesn't compare to Brown. But, uh, he, you know, Tom Williams held his own pretty well, as we'll see in this series. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how does this one uh, turn out? Well, similar, uh, similar game in that when it got to the ninth, Chicago now in the top of the ninth is trailing 5-4, and Art Neff is rolling along on what he hopes is going to be a complete game victory. But this time it was Chicago. Uh, Bingo DeMoss led off with a walk, Torriente tripled him in, and then Jim Brown doubled in what would be the winning run in the top of the ninth. Uh, the pitcher who played Jesse Barnes in game two was Dave Brown. Brown, who had pitched eight innings the day before, was used by Foster to, to shut the door in the eighth and ninth, which he successfully did. And the final score was 6-5. So after the first two games, it was an even series with both teams having 11 runs and 
both teams having beat the other team's big winner. Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that Dave Brown went eight innings and came in in relief in game two. You gotta love. You gotta love those those days. Uh, when, when and they were doing that. They were doing that far into the late sixties and seventies too, until money became yeah, an, until money became an issue. Um, all right. So now the series moves to Chicago. We're even at a game apiece. Uh, they're going to play game three at Shortling Field uh, in Chicago. Tom Johnson for the New York Giants. Uh, a mediocre record, 7-8, 5.11 ERA goes up against Fred Tony, 18-11, 3.61 for, uh, or I should say, the Tom Johnson for the American Giants, Fred Tony for the New York Giants. Um, uh, the uh, uh, breakaway game in, in this series. Talk about that a little bit. Okay. Now, this one was another closely competitive game, uh, which I very much appreciated. But the, the hero of this one was clearly Fred Tony, not so much as a pitcher. Tony slams two homers, knocks in the first four runs for New York, and uh, also pitches a complete game. Now, that wasn't totally unusual. This is early live ball. I think Tony might have hit three homers that year. Mm. And... Uh, that was more than several members of his starting lineup. So he, uh, it, it wasn't a total surprise. I, I think only George Kelly and Oil Smith of the Giants hit more home runs per at-bat than Tony. So that, that's how that game went down, 6-4. to four. And, uh, you know, the Tony was both a pitching and hitting winner, and it put the, uh, put the Giants, New York Giants, back in control of the home field advantage. Uh, having taken that game in Chicago. So we stay in Chicago and game four with the New York Giants up uh, two games to one. Uh, it, uh, it it turns out the Giants win again in shutout fashion. In fact, a great game pitch by their starter, Phil Douglas. Yeah, uh, unfortunately for Chicago, because uh, this is their race again. It's a three-man rotation. Mm -hmm. So Brown is up and they're depending on him to win these games. And this is the second start of his. He fails to win. Although when you're getting one hit, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough to win. Brown didn't pitch all that bad. It's a four nothing game. But Douglas only faced thirty men, and his uh, game score was a ninety three, which is just an oh, incredible wow. game. And that put the New York Giants up three games to one, and uh, one more game in Chicago before they head back. In New York. So the uh, American Giants have their backs up against the wall, down uh, three games to one. Uh, game uh, five is Tom Williams uh, going again for Chicago, and he will be going up against Art Neff again for New York. Do the American Giants survive? <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, but by another very close score, four to three, Chicago. Uh, puts an insurance run on the board in the bottom of the eighth, and then Tom Williams is able to survive a ninth inning one-run Raleigh. Uh, it ends on a marvelous play by Dave Malusher playing third base. Uh, he stops a Frankie Frisch drive right down the line with two men on. It, it, it would have been a game changer. But as it is, uh, Chicago survives. They're now down three games to two, heading back to New York. So now we go back to the polo grounds. Uh, for sure, the New York Giants are going to close it down right here. Is that the way it plays out? Well, let me think. It's it's three games to two, so they're yeah. not 
Oh, that's right. It's five, five games to win. Right, right. We're, we're in a nine-game series. a nine-game series. series. I've got, got to go back. Right. But had it been a seven-game series, they would have closed it out because of Fred Tony again, he's not, he doesn't pitch as well as the first time out. He hits almost as well. He, he once again gets a pair of hits. So Tony goes around in a 13-7 to win. Uh, so now he's 2-0, and and he's 4 for 8. So uh, he's... Uh, He's having a marvelous series, but the big hitter in this game, I, I, I have to point this out, was a, a player named Ross Youngs, who's one of those Frankie Frisch Hall of Famers yeah. who, who died too young. He, he may have been a little more legitimate because Youngs was on his way to a marvelous career, but if I'm not mistaken, I think he died in his early 30s when he's still a viable player. Hmm. But in this game, he singled his first time up, doubled his second time up, tripled his third time up, and homered his last at-bat, a natural cycle. Wow. So he was the hero, and they're now up four games to two. Well, so now they have a chance to close it out at home, game seven, up four games to two. Phil Douglas for the New York Giants, Dave Brown for the American Giants. Can Chicago hang on? <laughs> Dave Brown finally shows his true colors. Uh, a four hitter, Chicago wins six to one. Uh, Brown is now two and two. <laughs> so he's, he's got three starts in that one relief appearance. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the American Giants are certainly hoping that uh, he'll be able to come back on two or three days rest, depending on how things play out in game nine. Oh, sure he will. He relieved after going eight innings in game one. Why wouldn't he be able to? So we're going to go to game eight uh, in this series. And again, Chicago in a must-win situation. It's back to Chicago. Uh, there's uh, a chance of showers. The wind blowing a little bit. Tell us how this one comes out. Okay. Well, I, I, I was obviously um, a Negro League buff. I'm for the American Giants, but it just didn't play out. But once again, I just have to point this out, realism. it always happens. Art Neff was 0-2, and he, even though he was their 20-game winner, he's sitting around at 0-2 in this series, just like he was against the Yankees. He was 0-2 there, and he wins the last game, the, the, the clincher, against the Yankees, and he does the same here. 7-1, to uh, the New York Giants. Uh, defeat the uh, Chicago American Giants to take the series in eight games, five games to three. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that was an exciting series, and I bet you you really enjoyed it, uh, going to, uh, to eight games, which it could have gone nine, but a, a well-played series all the way around. One thing that I was noticing looking at the box scores was that the defense was pretty good. Uh, how did you feel about the defensive clubs, uh, and did you think defense was held at a higher level back in those years? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the, the defense, uh, you know, the, in both cases, I don't want to just say that Chicago got at the favoritism, but as you know, uh, the defensive ratings, and I, I'm not, I don't know anything about the current game formula and, and whatnot, but certainly in 94, if you were good, you know, Rogers Hornsby got an eight or a nine every year. Yeah. And we all know now, due to better analysis on defense, that he probably should have been getting a seven. And even that would have probably been a reward. <laughs> uh, both of these teams fielded very well in this series. 
I, I, I haven't ran, you know, I didn't look back and see compared to, uh, to, to the, the day, how, how they compared, but it seemed to me that the, the defense on both sides might have been a little better than, than it, it was in 1921, but that's more of a guess than, you know, uh, than actual knowledge, uh, other than to say the defensive ratings that happened, well, you know, the goal is to get a team defense yeah. accurate. Yeah. But sometimes they do, they, you know, an all-star hitter is usually an all-star defender also, or at least used to be when I was a kid. Yeah. And, and again, you can use normalization for that result, too, as well, over the years. Again, great defense back in the 20s might not be great defense today. Uh, so you, you have to take that into consideration. So it looks like the chalk wins out in Atlantic City. The New York Giants uh, beat the Chicago American Giants. Uh, and and it, it, it really was. It, it, it had to be a lot of fun for you to do. And uh, it's going to be a great presentation. I was looking through the, uh, uh, the PowerPoint uh, uh, presentation that you have. It is really, really well done, Ted. And, and you uh, deserve to be complimented on that. Thank you. Um, all right, let, let's, let's, let's change gears a little bit. Of course, we talked about you know, your, your knowledge and your interest in Negro League Baseball. Um, back in December of last year, Major League Baseball announced it's going to bestow the Negro Leagues with Major League distinction. Uh, they're going to include records and stats. Um, that was something that I think was kind of in the works for uh, a few years at least, uh, but they pulled the trigger back in December. Um, talk a little bit about, number one, personally how you felt about that, and uh and, and then we'll kind of get into the pros and cons of, of that decision by MLB. Okay. Well, first of all, the, the setup is 2020 was the most miserable year <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, no doubt about it. And I lost, I lost a mother-in-law and a brother-in-law. Oh, sorry. To, to one of them to COVID. Uh, so it, it just was not uh, a good year. Yeah. But December 16th, when I woke up and turned the computer on and saw what Major League had done, it, 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 uh, it didn't make up for the rest of the year, but it certainly portended a, a bright future, and I think it was the right thing to do, uh, and I was very happy with, with the result. Uh, the headline was MLB officially designates the Negro Leagues as a Major League. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people, and I'm including yourself, uh, probably felt like it was a long time coming. Uh, certainly something that uh, Major League Baseball thought long and hard about. And uh, then they decided to, to, to make that decision. Um, we kind of talked about it off air a little bit about uh, some of the blowback that came from that. A lot of people, and, you know, let's face it, baseball is a stats-driven fan sport. Uh, it, stats play more into the fandom of baseball than any other sport. I think everybody can agree to that. And I think a lot of those true diehard baseball fans felt like, well, now, wait a minute. You know, you're going to skew the statistics and the records now to include Negro League players. And not that there were great, great Negro League players, but 
were they playing against top competition as they were in, in the major leagues? Uh, talk a little bit about that, about what you saw, because I know you were closer to it than I was, what you saw when that announcement came out. Okay. Well, leading up to the announcement, the previous four years, I probably made a, a dozen, you know, meaning uh, every three or four months I was making a presentation, making the case that the Negro League should be considered a major so I, I, you know, strongly believe that and still do. There was blowback during my presentations from people who didn't quite see it that way. And what it is, it's not, you know, I don't use the word ignorance in, in an insulting fashion. Mm. It was the knowledge just wasn't there. And, and it actually wasn't, even, even with Major League Baseball investing a quarter of a million dollars back in 2000, to study the issue and having a very qualified panel, which I was a small part, uh, putting putting together some statistics that never were dispersed. It, it wasn't until CNEDs came along, yeah. and and they're still every day they're evolving. Uh, the, the, the the record will not be complete probably ever, but certainly not anytime soon. But those numbers in CNEDs, I truly believe, show what I'm going to call major league equivalence, uh, if not equality. Uh, somewhere between those two, two words, they have different definitions. Uh, and it turns out that the slash line in the Negro Leagues was virtually identical to the slash line in the major leagues so over that 29-year period. Um, and that, that in and of itself doesn't have any meaning because the slash line in the highest levels of the majors, I mean minors, really isn't that much different than mm -hmm. the slash line of Major League Baseball over the years also. Right. However, when you combine that with the fact that the major leagues are now saying that this was a major league and the slash lines are equal, and when you combine it with the fact that the record of head-to-head -head play of so-called and I'm going to call them so-called because Commissioner Landis wouldn't let major league teams intact play the Negro Leagues. Uh, but so-called major league teams against so-called Negro League teams play roughly 500 ball over that 29-year period. Mm -hmm. In fact, I, most of the time I see the Negro League teams winning. But uh, again, uh, you know that, that's apples and oranges. You really right. don't know the quality right. on either side of such a game. But the point I'm trying to make is that the fact that they have the very same statistical results over a 29-year period, uh, coupled with major league designation as equal and coupled with their head-to-head -head record, I, I think makes a big statement that, hey, these two leagues were you know, relatively equal. And, and just one thing, John, 43% of the Hall of Fame Beginning with Jackie, you know, Hall of Famers that start with Jackie, 43% of them would have had to been Negro Leaguers had they started 20 years earlier. So that's another pointer in the, in the direction of uh, the two leagues being relatively equal. Uh, do you think that the, the lack of complete statistics had anything to do with the uh, complaints about including Negro League statistics into Major League statistics uh, because there are a lot of holes 
and and the Negro League uh, stats over the years. I, I I think also they didn't play as many games in in their in their leagues. Um, do you feel like that was a, a factor? Yes, definitely. And it, and it's actually uh, the the fact. Let's start with the second point. The fact that they didn't play as many games yeah. is going to show up in your top ten leaderboards for. Uh, the counting stats like home runs, RBIs, etc., mm-hmm. and you, you're not going to see any Negro leaguers in them because they played roughly in their best season uh, half as many games as right. as the majors. Right. And uh, but on the rate stats, on the other hand, they're going to benefit from the. I, I shouldn't say benefit. In many cases, they will. You know this this. Deviating back to the mean is a is a two way street, uh, but but having the smaller stat sets, there will be opportunity for higher averages. There's also opportunity for lower, but uh, the, the, the the Josh Gibson's a good example. Yeah. It turns out that his home run rate is second only to Babe Ruth in the debt in the segregated era mm-hmm. and his batting average is second only to Ty Cobb. <laughs> and that, that, you know, Josh Gibson has come a long way in my esteem. I still don't put him as the top position player. I like Oscar Charleston. But Gibson is holding his own defensively, catching uh ninety percent of the games that his team plays and then still hitting like that, he 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 must be something. Yeah, and and Josh Gibson is a name that just about everybody has heard of who has followed any type of baseball. Some of the other guys that that you mentioned, uh, really to me, I, I've n- I've never heard of them, but are great great players that certainly, if they were uh, playing an integrated baseball, would have been at the top of the game. Um, and and you know, I, I think I go back to where. Uh, you know, you try to compare the major leagues with the Negro leagues, and and I and this might be a bad comparison, but I think sometimes it was like comparing the NFL to the old AFL. Um, the AFL was a, a a minor league basically, but an upstart, and yet they continued to play and continue to improve and continued to get the great players. Now they did it through just spending more money. Than the NFL did to get the mon- the, the the marquee players. Uh, Joe Namath comes comes to mind, um, mm. and they made themselves in that way equivalent to the NFL. Uh, the Negro leagues, all they had to work with were the black and Cuban players that were, weren't able to play. Uh, they may have had a little more talent to pull from, but I, I, I kind of equate that with. Uh, the Negro and Major Leagues to the NFL and AFL and how they came together. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting comparison. And I must point out that the third year they played the Super Bowl, yeah. fourth, uh, the, <laughs> AF, the AFL happened to win it. By, by, uh, and largely due to one of the players that the AFL just spent an inordinate amount of money to get to be able to use him as a platform uh, for their league. No, no question about yeah. it. Uh, Ted, I'll tell you, this is some interesting stuff. Uh, uh, as I could talk to you all day uh, about uh, your knowledge of the Negro Leagues, um, and and it's really great that I think that this uh, this uh, consortium uh, with the uh, Saber uh, Game and Simulations Research Committee is going to be a, a fantastic thing. I, I know that they're going to love your PowerPoint, and also or I, I should mention too that uh, the game company, John Herson, had a, uh, 
a contest for uh, guys to predict the winner of your American Giants and New York Giants series, and they're going to win a card. So, it, it just roughly, really quickly, tell us about how that was set up. Okay, well, I, I, you know, I talked to John, uh, think, you know, knowing, in fact, I told the guys on this panel as we were developing it, that yes, Apple, I can't speak for John Hurston, but they're going to be enthused about participating in, 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 to some degree now. To yeah. my regret, I didn't of John until maybe a month ago. But he, he came through with flying colors. We're going to give a set of the 20 greatest Negro League cards to the person who correctly predicts the result. And I, I expect, although right now I only have one correct prediction, but I, I expect we're going to have to randomly, and I've told them we're going to randomly pick you know, from those that get it right. But uh, I'm very grateful to John and the game company and anything I can do to increase their profile in that Games and Simulation Committee, I'm going to do it. I have not been an active member of that committee, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I will. But I do want to just give one more thought as we leave, and that is, and this is something that Major League Baseball last December has taken a big step to curing, and here's the statement. The last victims of the segregation of baseball prior to 1947 are us. Mm. Yeah, think about that one and the education that's going to come forward by what Major League Baseball has done last December. Well, they're 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 trying to to right some wrongs there, and uh, certainly uh, that decision they made in December of last year is the beginning of that. Uh, Ted, I, I tell you what, I promise I won't said John my. Um, my prediction for the series, since I know what happened before anybody else did, <laughs> I, I, and I won't use an alias. I'll, I'll I'll try to be true, but it was a it was a lot of fun going through your series. A lot of fun hearing your thoughts uh, about the, the Negro Leagues. And uh, hey, we've done two podcasts already. Let's uh, do a third sometime down the road. All right, John. Thank you very much, Ted. You're the best. Bye -bye. Thanks, buddy. Bye bye. Bye. That was uh, Ted Knorr, who uh, will be part of a uh, 50th anniversary celebration for the Sabre uh, 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 Games and Simulations Research Committee. Uh, he is going to give his presentation tomorrow of the outcome of his simulated New York Giants of 1921 and the Chicago American Giants of the Negro Leagues of 1921. Uh, it was great stuff. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll close this one down. You're listening to This Week in APA. And welcome back, everybody, to This Week in APA, episode number 98. And I'd like to thank Ted Knorr for coming on the, pro uh, the program and and talking about his 1921 series between the New York Giants, winners of the Major League World Series, and the Chicago American Giants, the Negro League winner uh, that year. Uh, it was pretty interesting stuff. And, and that's just some of the great things you can do uh, with APA. And uh, Ted took the time, and, and he really did it painstakingly, too. He, he, he jumped through all the hoops and and uh, dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's to get that done. And it turned out to be a really uh, great uh, tournament or a really great series. And uh, we we're very happy that he came on the podcast to tell us about it. Also want to mention the winner 
of the APA 20 Great Negro League cards uh, who guessed uh, it correctly, the New York Giants in eight games. That was Sandra Marrero. So, Sandra, congratulations on being the winner of that contest. The APA Game Company uh, will send you those cards. Uh, and uh, it uh, should be some something fun to play with if you're into uh, APA baseball. Uh, no need to remind everybody of this. The APA convention is next week, August 26th through the 29th. If you haven't put in for a reservation, do so as soon as possible. Uh, still time to do it. Uh, that'll be an Alpharetta. It begins on Thursday. will end on Sunday. Uh, be sure to sign up for Home Run Derby. Uh, and the uh, baseball tournament, those are the two highlights, that and the uh, dinner on Friday, the banquet, and, of course, the, uh, the uh, election to the Hall of Fame uh, for some very lucky and well-deserving folks. So that'll wrap it up for this episode of This Week in Happen, number 98. Next one will be number 99, 100 will be from the APA convention. And we're going to have a lot of folks on. We may have to break it up into one or two podcasts, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to document as much as we can uh, when we get down there. So uh, look forward to that. We'll talk more about that in our next podcast coming up, number 99. Hope you can be around for that as well. Until then, this is John Aslan saying so long and thanks for listening to This Week in APA.